but your voice. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I see.
presence of the Lord this morning. Lord, we worship and we magnify your name, oh God. For your name is the name that is above all names, that the name of Jesus.
sings, my soul, my Savior God, to thee.
Man, I am so thankful that no matter the season, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, we can praise Jesus. Amen. Man, that is just something we can always have. Well, I'm Pastor Lewis. I'm the young adult pastor here at uh, Berean. And um, Pastor Gary is, is still gone this week. Please be praying for him and his family. Be praying for Pastor Justin as well as they are all on vacation, enjoying some much-needed time away and hopefully some rest and relaxation. Uh, so please keep them in prayer uh, as everyone will be getting back this week, but please be praying for them. And so today I get the privilege of, of sharing God's word, something that I, I thoroughly enjoy and I get excited about. 
I get excited about sharing God's word. And, uh, and as I began getting ready for this morning, I, I, be, I was thinking about the seasons and different things. And here we are ending one season. We're, we're getting ready to end summer. And I know uh, we've got a lot of students here who are really excited because school's about to start again. And they're all anxious to go back. Um, yeah, probably not. But parents are. <laughs> the, the parents are, man, this is a time of year where you celebrate as you get ready to, to head back into the school year. And I began to th- just think about about how seasons change and different things happen. There, there's seasonal things in life, right? There's just, that's, that's just the reality of life. In fact, there, there are certain fruits and vegetables that grow in certain seasons. And there's certain, there's weather that changes in the season. So there's certain clothes that we wear in, in different seasons. In fact, I was told that there's certain colors that you're supposed to wear for different seasons. Who knew? I had no idea that red is only supposed to be worn at certain times of the year. I, I didn't know that, but apparently there are. Apparently there's certain colors for, for certain seasons in life. There are even different activities for different seasons in life. And, and despite my love of Christmas music, I think Pastor Nathan has a love of Christmas music as well. D- despite our love of Christmas music, I, I typically only listen to Christmas music during the Christmas season. Now here's the deal though. The Christmas season, the start of the Christmas season, now that's a very debatable thing. When does the Christmas season start? I mean, for some, it doesn't start until December. I don't want to hear about Christmas until December. For others, you know, Christmas or the Christmas season starts Thanksgiving night. Uh, for us, that's when our tree goes up. That, that we start decorating and getting ready Thanksgiving night, that, that's for us. For others, it's November 1st. They're like, well, I'll start listening to Christmas music November 1st. Is, is that when the Christmas season starts? Is it November? Is it September when, when uh, Hobby Lobby is putting out all of their Christmas decor and having it 50% off? Is, is that when the Christmas season starts? Or does Hallmark have it right and Christmas starts with Christmas in July when they're airing all of their new Christmas movies? Now, I'll have you know, I had no clue that was a thing until I got married. I, had, I didn't even know about the Hallmark Channel. Uh, but here they are airing Christmas movies in July. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Well, that's actually their thing. They, they do that. Is that when the Christmas season starts? I, I, I don't know. It's debatable for everybody. But one thing we can all agree on is that it is a seasonal thing. It's only for a certain time of the year. Now, there are things, though, that aren't seasonal things, or at least they should not be seasonal things. They should be done in our lives all throughout the year. For instance, eating. Eating is not a seasonal thing. In fact, there's some of you here this morning who are already thinking about what you're going to be eating afterwards. It's not a seasonal thing. Now, I know we can confuse people at times because we get to certain holidays and certain times of the year, and if people watch us, it may look like we haven't eaten for a season because of the way we eat then and the way we pile our food on. I mean, think about, you know, we created holidays just so we can eat. You know, Thanksgiving, so we can just eat a ton of food. Well, it's not just there. What do we do for the 4th of July? Let's just eat. We're gonna eat a bunch of food and blow stuff up. That's just, that's exciting. You know, what are we gonna do? How can we celebrate those who have, have sacrificed their lives in Memorial Day? 
let's eat. What better way to remember them than eat? Uh, you know, Labor Day's here. Let's eat. We just created reasons to eat. And, and so, you know, that's not a seasonal thing. Eating is something we do all the time. Exercise. Exercise is something that should not be a seasonal thing in our life. Uh, you know, here's a crazy, a crazy fact for some. You're actually allowed to work out and exercise more than just the first month of the year. You know, because we make that New Year's resolution and oh, I'm going to the gym every day and we get, you know, three weeks in. It's like, mm, maybe tomorrow. Uh, you know what? I'll start again next week. I messed it up anyway. And it just, we kind of fall off the, the, the track. Uh, you know, the reality is if, if exercising is only a seasonal thing, I want to encourage you. If you're spending money on a gym membership, there's much better ways you can be spending your money. Okay, be, be a little more wise with that. Find other ways to exercise, but it shouldn't be a, a seasonal thing. Um, I'm blessed to have three young boys. Uh, and so exercise is an everyday thing, not because I'm faithful to go to the gym and work out, uh, simply because if I get down on the ground, they're jumping on me. And that just, that, that happens. They want me to pick them up and throw them around. And, and that, that's work. That is exercise. Some of you have seen my kids running around and you know, that is work. Uh, but uh, exercise, that's something that, that shouldn't be a seasonal thing. Now, something else that is not a seasonal thing, and you'll learn about me really quick, football is not a seasonal thing. In fact, we're getting ready to move into an incredible time of the year where football is back on again. But for me, it doesn't stop. It is, it is an all-year thing. It is not a seasonal thing. That's just... I think this is the best time of the year where we get to celebrate football being back. But for me, it's not a seasonal thing. Baseball, basketball, hockey, all the other sports, they have their seasons, but not football. But even better than football, something else that is not seasonal is God's word. Now, there's different things that will stand out to us, and in the right season and in different times of life, we'll get different parts from God's word. But God's word is not a seasonal thing. It's something that is in season all of the time. And if we're not careful, we can fall into what I call seasonal reading. And think about when do we typically read about and hear about the birth, the death, the resurrection of Christ? It's only at certain holidays, you know. We read about the birth of Jesus at Christmas because, you know, that's when he was born. I hate to burst your bubble, but for those of you that are stuck on that, that isn't actually when he was born. And that's debatable. We won't get into that tonight or, or, or today, but we can actually read about that more than just the Christmas season. You know, the, the, the death and burial resurrection of Jesus, it's more than just an Easter seasonal thing. We can read about those and learn from those and let God speak to us any time of the year. And so this morning, I want to do, well, we're, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at one of those seasonal passages that we would find in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, whether you have them physically or on a device, would you go ahead and open with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 41. And we're going to take a look here at Jesus. He had just finished having his last meal with his disciples uh, before he would sacrifice his life. And he gets them together and he gets to the Garden of Gethsemane. And that's where we pick it up here. Matthew chapter 6, 
verse, starting, or Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36, it reads, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so, you, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, here Jesus is in an emotionally painful place because he knows what lies ahead. He knows what he's about to face, what he's about to endure. And so he asks his disciples to watch and pray with him. He, in fact, he pulls his three closest disciples he pulls them in close and tells them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And being the great strong support system they were, they fell asleep. And could you imagine that? Could you imagine being there and being one of the disciples and they fell asleep? That is just absolutely crazy. I, I, I sometimes I think about that. I'm like, man, what was wrong with these guys? How could they do that? And then I have to remind myself, whoa, you got to, don't be quick to judge them. I, let, let's be real. Who here has fallen asleep in church before? Some of you go ahead and wake up the person next to you. Yeah, it's just, that, that happens, okay? I'm guilty of it. I'll be the first one to admit that. In fact, the church I grew up going to, uh, one of the sanctuaries they had, had the old theater seating that was bolted to the ground and the seats kind of rocked a little. But there was one very special chair in the whole auditorium. And I knew that because I had tested them all out. And I would get to church and make a beeline for this chair. I had my chair right because it was up front. No, 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 no. Because it sat back off on the side and it was broken, so it leaned way back. So I would get there to church to get that seat so I could sit down. And take a nap during service. That, that, that's what I would do. I would lean back. Then I would go to our youth service. And in our youth room, the way it was set up, we had one chair that sat right here in the very middle. And it was right next to a pole. It had direct line of sight to the youth pastor. It was kind of like a little space from all the other chairs. And he could see right to me anytime he stood in the middle. And I sat in that chair and I would lean against the pole and sleep. That, that was, that was, I would do that every week. And, and man, the flack that I got as I got older. In fact, I still hear about it today. My, my youth pastor will remind me of that. Uh, I, I would sit there and sleep. And so before I, I could judge these guys, I realized, oh yeah, okay. I, I could see how, how they would do that. I mean, sometimes you're just tired. And so here Jesus tells them, keep watch. Instead, they fall asleep. And I think if we're not careful... We could easily fall into that same thing. We might not be sleeping with our eyes closed, but some of us this morning, we're sleeping right now. Well, we're not in tune to, to what's going on. Now, now think about it. How, have you ever fallen asleep watching a TV show or watching a movie? It used to drive me crazy. I remember as a kid, 
we were not allowed to change the, the six o'clock news would come on and my dad was there to watch it. And it would drive me absolutely crazy because we were not allowed to change the channel because he was watching the news and I'd always look at him and go, how do you watch the news with your eyes closed? I don't understand that. How does that work? Because he would sit down and fall asleep. And how many of you have done that? You, you sit down to watch something and you fall asleep. It doesn't matter the show, it doesn't matter what's going on. We sit down, we fall asleep. Well, why is that? Because we get ourselves in a comfortable position. We, we position ourselves in a perfect spot so we can fall asleep. And one problem that has plagued the church today is that too often, instead of keeping watch, we fall asleep. We fall asleep. So this morning, I want to think about the word watch. I want to think about that word watch. And not, not as in watching a TV show or a movie but as in watching a football game. Okay, again, I, football is always in season with me. I want us to think of it that way. Now, see, if you're watching a TV show, or if you're, particularly if you're watching a movie, you know, you sit down, you get your bucket of popcorn, you get all your snacks, you get relaxed, you get ready, and you put yourself in a nice position to just be comfortable. And it's easy to fall asleep. I've fallen asleep in a movie theater before. That's just crazy to think about. Here, I'm paying money to go fall asleep. That's just absurd. But I'm guilty of doing it. However, when I sit down to watch a football game, it is totally different. When I sit down and watch a football game, I'm engaged in what's going on. I'm excited. I'm ready to cheer. I'm ready to talk about what's going on. I get my towel out and I start waving that thing around and I'm all excited. And see, this right here, this just brought out some emotion in some of you because this is one of the greatest sports memorabilia you will ever see right here. This is a terrible towel. And Thursday, I love the start of the NFL season started and my boy without hesitation that I had the game on and as soon as it started they ran over they picked up their towels and they came running in the living room waving around and I won't lie as a father I kind of shed a little tear <laughs> I, I thought oh my boys are learning they're being brought up right they they're, they're getting excited for that and it was just it was a fun time because they were engaged in the game they were waving the towels at the right time they were asking questions they were talking about what's happening they were engaged in what was taking place and that's how we should approach church we should be engaged we can we should come in excited we should come in ready for what God is going to do Instead, oftentimes we come in and it's just kind of like, well, I'm here and let me get my coffee and I'll sit down and I'll get comfortable. But we should be ready for what is about to happen. That's what, what we should be doing. See, church was never meant to be watched. It was meant to be experienced. And God began to convict me of that one, one Sunday. We were on vacation with my family, and, and we had plans to, to go to a church service. And that morning, one of my boys woke up throwing up in bed. Well, that changed everything. Uh, we didn't end up going anywhere that morning. And I thought, well, you know what? We could at least go ahead and, and, and get my phone out, and we can uh, watch Brian online. We'll do that. 
And so we, I got my phone, I set it up, and, and we began to watch church. And, and Pastor Nathan and the worship team are, are leading in worship, and it was just powerful. And, and it, was, it was exciting to see uh, my boys even as they're singing along, and just we're worshiping God. And as the service is going on, other family came in, and we began to get distracted, and we found ourselves doing other things. But I still had the service online, I still had the service going on on my phone. And, you know, because we're watching service. We're, we're attending Berean. And, uh, and as we're, we're watching that, Pastor Gary mentioned, he said something in his message. I thought, that was really good. And I began to look around because I'm like, I, I should write that down. But I don't have anything. My phone is being used. And I, by the time I found something, I couldn't even remember what was said. And I thought, okay, well, I'll get back to that later. And as I began to walk away, the Holy Spirit just began to convict me. And began to, to just remind me, you're only watching church. You're not experiencing what I have for you. And you're missing out on what I want to say to you right now. Because this isn't something for you to watch. It's something for you to experience. And I remember stopping dead in my tracks going, oh my, my goodness. God, please, please forgive me. Because here I was putting on... The, the service, not because, I wanted to, not because I wanted to meet with Jesus and encounter God and experience his presence, but because I thought, well, I'll be a good example to my, my boys and, and I'll put it on because, you know, that's what we should do. Not realizing the terrible example I was setting by just kind of putting it on in the background. It's kind of like having a TV show or, or, or music on in the background you're not really paying attention to. That's what I was doing. See, long before COVID ever hit and shut everything down and changed the way we did everything, Many of us were guilty of just coming in and watching church instead of experiencing it. We come in and we kind of watch what's going on. We're here, but we're not here. You know, we're thinking about what we're going to be doing. We're thinking about what we're going to have for lunch. We're thinking about what game is going to be on when I get home instead of engaging what's going on here. And that is where I think the disciples found themselves when Jesus says to keep watch. To keep watch. Instead of, of being engaged, they were just kind of watching what was going on instead of experiencing what was happening. And our desire is that every time you would come in, whether you're in the building or you're, whether you're online, anytime you would be with us, you would experience the presence of God. That you would experience what he has for you. That's our desire every time we open the doors, every time we do something, we want to see that happen. We want people to come excited, expecting God's going to show up, God's going to do something, God is going to be here and he's going to move, to be excited for that. In fact, Paul writes in Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. My prayer is that we would be people who don't lack zeal, but who fervently seek Jesus all the time especially when we gather together. Not just watch. Not watch. Like sit down. When Jesus told his disciples, watch with me, he wasn't telling them, get your popcorn, get your snacks, sit down and watch what I'm about to do. This is going to be something. He was telling them, be ready, stay sharp, be engaged in what's happening. See, when, when he was, the word watch there is actually referring to a night watch and a, a military night watch. And if you were on military night watch, you had to be sharp. You had to stand there. You had to be ready for what would happen because at a moment's notice, anything could happen. And it was your responsibility to make sure everyone was aware of it. 
so you would be intent, attentive and, and listening and watching to see what was going on. That's what Jesus was saying, and that's what he wants from us today. See, last week, Pastor Justin talked about, he, he preached about being ready. He didn't know what I was going to be speaking about. I didn't know what he was going to be speaking about, but God did. God knew what was going to be happening. He wants us to be ready. He wants us to be ready. So this morning, before we go, I just want to take a look at five things that we need to have in our lives if we're going to watch, if we're going to keep watch and be ready for what he has for us. The first thing we need, we need God's word. We need the Word of God in our lives. And some are like, well, yeah, duh. But how often are we guilty of just kind of glazing over and just kind of looking at it and just doing it because it's routine or habit or because we know we should? That's not how we should approach God's Word. We shouldn't just read it. We should memorize it and study it and meditate on it. The psalmist writes, I've hidden your Word in my heart so I don't sin against you. I've hidden it in my heart, not in my head, but in my heart. Because once it can be in our head and do nothing. It has to get to our heart. That's when it transforms our lives. We need God's word to penetrate our hearts. In fact, Joshua was given instruction in Joshua 1.8 to study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. To meditate on it, study it, live it. Then you will be successful and prosperous. And one thing that brings me greater joy than my boys waving a terrible towel is how excited they get for the Bible. They get excited when we open up God's word because they're learning. And one of the things that I constantly try to teach them is that every time we open up the word of God, we have the opportunity to meet with God. And every time we meet with God, our lives are changed. They're changed. And I say opportunity because it's easy to just open up the Bible and miss what God has for us. Instead of opening it, expecting, anticipating, God, I'm ready. I know I'm about, to, I'm about to open your word. You're going to say something to me. What are you going to do in my life? What are you going to say? I don't want to miss it. Be ready for it. We need God's word. Not to just read it. We need it to be part of our lives. You know, and, and when we get into God's word, it's important that we come ready. We come ready to hear from God. One of the things that, that I always do when I know I'm going somewhere and God's word is going to be open, I carry a notebook with me. I have a journal so I can be ready to write something down. Why? Because someone might have something to say? No. Because God has something he wants to say to me. And, and that's what I want to be ready. I don't want to miss it. So I encourage people all the time. Carry a journal with you or be ready on, on your phone or something to take notes. When, when God's word is open, we should be ready to write it down. If we're not ready, it's like sitting down to a nice steak dinner with no utensils. You know, we've got steak, we've got mashed potatoes and no utensils to use. You know, I guess we could just caveman style the steak and kind of scoop up the, the mashed potatoes. That would just, that's very disturbing. We wouldn't do that. So why do we sit down to God's word not ready. It's important we should sit down to God's word ready to hear because he desires to speak to us. Be ready so we don't miss it. Not only do we need his word, we also need application. We need to be ready to do something about what he reveals to us. Ready to put it into action, to live it out. In fact, God's word was never meant to just be read. It was actually meant to be lived out. 
It was meant for us to put it into action and to walk it out. Now, I don't know who said it or, or when they said it, but I remember hearing one time, you might be the only Bible somebody reads. And I'll never forget hearing that. I thought, that, that's so true. I want to make sure then that I'm living out God's word. I want to make sure that I'm living out what I declare. When we say, Jesus, we love you, and you're Lord of my life, we should be living it out. It should be seen in our everyday lives. In fact, James 1.22, James writes, Do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do when we actually do what God's word says. And see, it's, it's important we get into God's word, we be ready for God's word so we can live out God's word so that we can do something about it because he, des he desires for us to live it out. Anytime God's word is open, he has something he wants to say and he has something he wants us to do. See, the reality is, is a message is only as good as its application. A lot of people I've had come up to me afterwards and they say, Pastor, that was a great word. That was a good message. And I'll, oftentimes I'll ask them, well, why was it good? What was good about it? Not because I need a pat on the back. Not because I'm looking for reassurance. I mean, I, when I speak, I'm fine. If everyone comes up to me and goes, that was terrible. I just go, you know what? It's not on me. I, I, I believe I did what God wanted me to do. His word can speak to anybody. So if you didn't get something out of it, well, that's on you, not me. You know, I could communicate terribly, but it's still his word, not mine. See, it's only as good as its application. So I'll ask, well, well, what was good about it? What are you going to do with it? Why? Because my desire is that we would all take God's word and apply it to our lives, that we would live it out, that we would do something with it. So the question is, what will we do with what God reveals to us? What will we do with it? We have to apply it. Not only do we need God's word, do we need application? If we're going to keep watch, stay sharp, be ready, we need teaching. We need teaching. As we allow the word to impact our lives, we should be teaching it to others. Now, I'm not talking about becoming a teacher and, and not even necessarily leading a group or anything like that. But as you live it out, your life will teach others. It will teach others. We should all have people that we are teaching and that are teaching us. We should have both of those. See, Jesus' command in Matthew was not just to his disciples. It's a command for all of us, not just for pastors and staffs at a church, but for every person who would say, Jesus is my Lord. I love him. Well, God has given all of us the command in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them, teaching them. That's what he wants. He wants every one of us to be a part of that, that teaching process, to be a part of that disciple-making process. See, we're not called to be perfect. None of us will be. We will fail. We will mess up. But some of the greatest ways we can teach people is through our mess-ups, by being humble enough to say, I messed up. This is how, and this is what I'm going to do. By confessing, being honest about those things, but we all should be teaching people. 
Colossians, Paul writes in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Let it richly dwell in you so that you can teach others. See, we've all been given the responsibility of teaching, and if we're going to be ready, we need to, be, we need to remember we're teaching. See, there, nothing keeps you sharp like knowing people are watching you and you're teaching others. The reality is we're all an example to other people. The question is, what are we an example of? Are we an example of someone who is passionately pursuing Christ? Are we an example of someone who just kind of goes to church because we have to? Or someone who just kind of says one thing but lives a totally different way? What are we an example of? We're all an example of something. What are you an example of? Better yet, who are you an example of? See, we need to be ready. And if we're going to be ready for what God has for us, because God wants to use us. He wants to do something in us, and he wants to do something through us. We have to be ready. We have to keep watch. And if we're going to be ready, we need his word, we need application, we need teaching, and we need confession. We need confession. As we read and meditate and study God's word, things will be made clear that we need to change. God's word has a way of doing that in us. And we must be willing to confess those things. I love what Proverbs 28, 19 says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces their sin finds mercy. See, there's freedom found in confessing those things to God. There, there's freedom in that. We need his word because his word is going to point out things in our life. And the reality is that God's word is not something that we always want to hear. It's not something that always, it's always going to feel good. It's not something that we always want to do. But it is something we always need. And we have to be ready to confess those things that we don't like as they come up. Because God's word will point it out. In fact, if God's word doesn't make you uncomfortable at times... If God's word doesn't rub you the wrong way at times, in fact, if God's word doesn't offend you at times, it's because you're probably not reading all of it or you're certainly not really getting into it because God's word, it is offensive. It's offensive to our nature because we're naturally selfish and we go against God's word. God's word doesn't make sense to us. In fact, one of the things that, that I've, I've told our young adults a lot is that my prayer is that we would begin to be, a, that we would be a people who see society through the lens of the gospel, not gospel through the lens of society. And our churches, unfortunately, are filled with people who see the gospel through the lens of society and who take God's word and try to make it fit our viewpoint. But God's word was never meant for that. God's word will cut. God's word will hurt. God's word will offend. God's word won't feel good. And we have to be willing to confess those things when it happens. But the other great thing about God's word and confession is that confession is not just about sin. It's not just about confessing what we need to make right with God. Confession is a, is a declaration of truth. It's, a, it's an acknowledgement, a declaration, or a professing of something. It's a professing of truth. And so just as it's important for us to, to confess the things that need to be made right, sometimes 
We need to confess and declare who God is and what he's done. We need to remind ourselves of that sometimes. That's why David writes, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. He, he reminds himself. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that because we're not always feeling it. We're not always going to feel like doing the right thing. We're not always going to feel like a Christian. We're not always going to feel like God loves us. We're not always going to feel like he's there. But we need to begin to confess and declare the truth of God's word and not our feelings. See, we need to, we, sometimes we need to confess and declare he's good and remind ourselves what Psalm 105 says, 100 verse 5. We, we need to confess and declare he's with us and remind ourselves of what Isaiah 41.10 says. We need to confess and declare he'll work all things out for us because sometimes that's hard to remember. But we've got to remember if he said it in his word, then it is true and he'll come through on it. So declare what Romans 828 says. Sometimes we need to confess and declare that there is peace in him. In the midst of turmoil and chaos, there is peace in him and remind ourselves what John 16:33 says. Sometimes we need to declare and confess that he's our strength and our joy and remind ourselves of what Psalm 16:11 says. We need to confess those things because confession is a declaration that puts truth right in front of us and requires us to do something with that truth. That's what it is. We need to declare the truth of God's word and not the feelings we feel. Our feelings, they will be real. We will have them, but they're not always truth. God's word is, and we can stand on it. And sometimes we need to confess it and declare it and remind ourselves of the truth. And just as excited as I get at, at watching a game, any sport event really, sometimes I get just as excited to remind myself of the, the truth of God's word because I need it. I need to remember it. Because sometimes, man, we just want to lose it. Sometimes we just want to throw in a towel. Sometimes we just want to say, forget, forget it all. We need to declare and confess the truth of God's word. So if we're going to stay sharp, if we're going to stay ready for what God has, we need his word, we need application, we need teaching, we need confession, and we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit's leading in our life. Every single one of us needs the leading of the Holy Spirit. And here's the crazy thing about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> He'll lead us to do things we're not comfortable with. I know, crazy, right? It's just like, oh, that's not me. I'm not really comfortable with that. Hey, the cross wasn't comfortable either, but Jesus did it. The Holy Spirit will lead us into some uncomfortable situations. We need his leading because not only will he lead us there, he'll give us the words to say. God will speak through us in those moments if we're willing and have the courage to step out and obey. But that only happens as we're seeking the leading of the Holy Spirit. That is something that is essential in our lives. The leading of the Holy Spirit is absolutely important in every believer's life. In fact, Paul writes in Romans 8.14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And we, we love to think, man, I'm a child of God. God's my Father. And that, that's a good feeling. And that's something great to declare. But we forget that every child has responsibilities. 
You know, I don't know one child that wakes up excited going, well, what chores do I get to do today? What can I do? You know, my son has never done that. And if your kids do that, please let me know how you got them to do that. I would love to know. I would, I, I'd greatly take that advice. I, I want that. No, they, there's things they have to do. There's uncomfortable things they have to do. God is our father. And he has some uncomfortable things for us to do. He's going to put us in some uncomfortable situations. And I know some of you are like, that's not what I want to hear. And it's supposed to feel good. And it doesn't always feel good. And in fact, he's going to put you in a situation where you obey, and it looks like it gets worse. It feels like it gets worse. And we see that all throughout the Bible, where people stepped out of faith, and you know, it's supposed to work out. If you obey God, everything is supposed to work out if you do what he wants you to do. Well, it will, just not the way we think all the time. Sometimes we do have to go into the furnace. Sometimes we do have to get thrown into the den. But the one thing we can always count on is that when we obey the leading of the Holy Spirit, even in the furnace and in the den, we're not by ourselves. He's faithful to get us through those situations. But we need the leading of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we can't stay vigilant. We can't stay ready. We can't stay sharp without the leading of the Holy Spirit. Without it, we'll become comfortable, we'll become weary and tired, we'll even become dull, and we'll miss out on what God wants to do in and through our lives. We need the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes, though, it's, you know, we look at it and go, well, how do I know the Holy Spirit is leading me? Now, how, how can I know that? Well, I'm glad you asked, because it brings it back full circle, we need, we, when we question the Holy Spirit's leading, we can always go back to God's word because it will always line up with God's word. The, the Spirit will never lead us to do something or say something that goes against God's word, which is why we need it, why we need to study it, meditate it, and learn what it really says. Because we can convince ourselves of all kind of wild things. We can convince ourselves that God wants us to do these different things. But if we really step back and go back to his word, we realize, mm, maybe he doesn't want me to do that. And here's the other crazy thing. God allows us, he gives us the freedom to make choices. You know, not every choice we make is a Holy Spirit leading choice. The shirt that I choose to, to wear this morning was not a God please lead me. And I walked in on a closet blindly. There it is. This is the one. This is the anointed one. You know, that, that's not the case. You know, God allows us the freedom to make choices when there isn't any moral law involved. He gives us that freedom. But we need his leading to make those important choices, to know when we should go, what we should do, what we should say, where we should go, who we should hang around with, the things we should do. We need the Spirit's leading in that. In fact, something that we should seek daily is the Spirit's wisdom and discernment, insight and direction for our lives. Those are things that we should be seeking daily in our lives. We need that. We need the Holy Spirit's leading. So it's important for us to start the day off right. Better than a good, strong cup of coffee. And I love coffee. Okay, that's, that's like coffee and football. Those are like my two love languages right there. And, and I, I love coffee. But better than, than a good cup of coffee is a good moment with God. Going, Lord, lead me today. 
I need your spirit's leading. Sometimes we look at it and go, well, I just don't have time. We don't need to spend hours and hours trying to figure out the spirit's leading. But it's important that we stop in the morning before we do anything else. We stop before we run out the door and rush about our day. We stop and go, God, I need your leading. I need the Spirit's leading. Help me to be sensitive to your voice so I don't miss the opportunities. And then when we hear it, to actually have the courage and the strength to do it. Because I'm right there with you. How many of us have ever felt, man, God wants us to do something, and we kind of convince ourselves it's not God? You know, it's kind of like, oh, no, that's not, no, God wouldn't want me to say that to them. There's no way that would be the case. And we walk away, and we miss out on an opportunity that God has. We never know the impact we can have. In fact, one of the things that have scarred me for life, I'll never forget as I was, uh, I was in master's commission, uh, if you don't know what that is, that's uh, basically like an internship program or, or like a Votech type of school for ministry. And I was in master's commission in the church I was at. Uh, we were doing some cleaning around the church. And there was a guy who, who was sitting right outside the front door. And I walked by and I saw him there. And I, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to go talk with him. But I convinced myself, no, no, that's not it. And, and I've got to get all this stuff done because I've got things I want to do. You know, I've got to go do this and do that. And I've got to hurry up and get this done. I'll, no, I'm not going to do it. So I'm cleaning up and getting things done. And I'll never forget, all of a sudden, people come running through the building. And I hear sirens outside. And I'm like, man, what is going on? And so I go back up to the front of the building. And, and there's police officers. There's ambulance out there. There's all kind of uh, now staff members from the church who weren't even working that day who are at the church. And I'm like, what, what, what is going on? And I go out and I start talking to someone. And they said, there's a guy out here who left a voicemail in the church. He was trying to get into the church. He wanted to talk to someone and no one was here. And he actually took a gun and committed suicide right there in the front doors of the church. And I'll never forget that moment. Because when they told me that, I literally fell to my knees and began to weep. And going, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me because your spirit was leading me. And I didn't have the courage to do anything about it. I, I convinced myself it wasn't you. I was too busy and so I didn't do it. And I missed out an opportunity. I, I don't know that it would have changed what happened. I don't know. But I do know that I missed out on what God wanted me to do. And I never forget that moment because anytime I begin to question and anytime I begin to go, oh, no, thank God, no, that's not really you, I step back and go, I don't want to miss out. God, if this is you, I'm going to go and just trust that you're going to give me the words. I need the leading of the Holy Spirit. We can't afford to walk a day without it. We need the Holy Spirit's leading because he wants us to be ready. We must be people who keep watch who stay ready for whatever good or bad may come our way. Back in April, missionary Beth Grant wrote an article for Influence Magazine. In that article, she writes, in spring 2020, when COVID-19 was just beginning to spread across the U.S., Assemblies of God World Missions Executive Director Greg Mundus was suddenly hospitalized with the virus and fighting for his life. Because my husband David and I had worked with him that same week, we found ourselves in quarantine with lots of time to intercede for Greg and other friends. During that time, 
I started saying something at the end of phone calls with family and friends that I'd never said in my life. Stay safe. That was my heart. But I soon became uncomfortable with the words as I said them. A still small voice I've come to know challenged me. Beth, never in your life have I called you to the priority of staying safe. I've called you to stay ready. Ready to hear my voice. Ready to obey. Ready to discern what I'm doing, what I'm doing and to move with me. Yes, be wise, but I'm calling you first to stay ready. Don't miss now what I'm going to do in this storm. This is a word she, she received from God as, as she was going about her life and, and concentrating on staying safe where God was reminding her, I've never called you to stay safe. God has never called us to stay safe. If that was the case, he would never send missionaries into dangerous areas. He would never send us into difficult situations. He would never let three young men step into a furnace. That's not him. He never put a young boy in front of a giant. God's never called us to stay safe. He's called us to stay ready. And being ready may put us into some uncomfortable, difficult situations and circumstances. But the one thing we can always count on is we're not alone. He is with us. He is there. He is for us. And he will see us through. Even if that meant that it was the end for us here, we get to be with him. It's a win-win. But the most difficult time is not knowing that I'll lose my life. Is knowing that I still have to come back to the circumstance tomorrow. What might it cost me? God's never called us to safety. He's called us to be ready. And just as he told his disciples, keep watch. He says to us today, keep watch. Go back and look at Matthew 24 and 25 and then again in 26. He tells them, keep watch, be ready. Keep watch, be ready. Keep watch is what he says to us, to be ready. I want to use you. There's not one person here. There's not one person watching online. There's not one person who will watch this later who God does not desire to use. It doesn't matter your story. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you've come from. God desires to use you. He wants us to be ready. Would you stand with me this morning? God wants us to be ready. And if we're going to be people who keep watching, who stay ready, we need his word. We need application and live it out. We need teaching, being willing to share it with others. We need confession, that declaration of truth that says, God, I'm sorry for this, or I need to remind myself of this. And we need the Holy Spirit's leading. And if you take the first letter from each of those, it spells watch. And my prayer is that today, God would ruin us for normal, especially if you wear a watch. That anytime you look at your watch, you would be reminded, God, help me to keep watch. Help me to be ready for what you would have for me. When you see the time, to remind yourself of watch and be ready. And if there's any one of those areas where God is going, I want, I want you to grow in this. I, I want to do something in you. Let him do that. But if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor Lewis, I've got to be honest. I, I'm nowhere near keeping watch. I, I haven't been living a life that loves Christ. But I want to make that choice today. Well, as we sing this song, that's a great opportunity for you just to say, Jesus,
forgive me. I need you into my life, and I want you to be Lord of my life. And if you pray that today, would you, before you leave, would you stop by and, and, and let us know? Or if you're online, leave a comment on Facebook or, or YouTube or wherever you're, you're participating. Or, or you can hop on our website and comment on there. Shoot us an email. Somehow let us know. Because we want to help you begin that journey. For the rest of us, as we go into this song, is there an area where God wants to work? Confess it and let him work in it. Let's be people who are ready for what God has. Let's go ahead and sing this song. You are here Moving in this place I worship you I worship you You are here Working in this place to be sharp, to stay ready, to keep watch for what you want to do. God, give us the courage and the strength to obey your leading and to do what you would have us to do. Thank you, God, that you have a plan and a calling on each and every one of us. May we walk in it, live in it, and thrive in it. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for being here this morning. pray that God has spoken something to you and that you would take it and walk in it this week. God bless you as you go.